This is Gary Wakefield and you're listening to Queer Life Stories. It is our very first episode and I'm joined today by my friend and colleague Paige. We've worked together for a couple of years now and Paige has very kindly offered to be the first guest on this new podcast. So thank you Paige, welcome. Can you introduce yourself a little bit for me? Yeah, so my name is Paige Harvey. I'm 24 years of age. Um, I identify as lesbian. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) We're so awkward. When and where did you grow up? Uh, So I lived in Zan until I was about six. Moved up to the northwest coast, lived up here most of my life, up until I was about, I think, 13. Lived in Queensland um, for a couple of years as well, so moved up there when I was 13, up until I was like 17. Come back down here, and then I've just been back to Queensland again and back again, so kind of back and forth between Tasmania and Queensland for a little while. I was quite young in the in the 90s, so I, w- I would say late 90s, early 2000s is when, yeah, that kind of, yeah, 2000-ish, yeah. So you're a millennial. Yeah, I can't say that word, so <laughs> I won't say it, but yes. <laughs> My parents separated when I was six years old, um, a lot, like a lot of kids went through that. So my dad ended up getting a new partner, my mum got a new partner. Um, I never got along with my mum, my stepmum that my dad was with for 19 years. So we clashed a lot. She was a horrible person, needless to say. Um, my mum got with my stepdad Rick and he's fantastic. He took on three kids without ever having any kids before, had three kids with my mum. Um, yeah, and everything's been great there. My dad's now separated from that partner he was with and couldn't be happier. <laughs> I think my family's pretty all right. You know, everyone gets along really well. They didn't just start off with, obviously, mum getting a new partner, my dad getting a new partner's conflict. But yeah, life wasn't too bad growing up. It wasn't too bad at all. What was the stepmother like? What was the, what was the issue there? Oh, she was nasty. Uh, nasty to the point where she would call me names behind my dad's back. She made me very depressed. She was one of the reasons that I first started self-harming myself because of the way that she treated me, which she would do this behind closed doors that no one else would see. So my dad wouldn't see what was going on or anything like that. And when I confronted my dad about it, he said, oh, she would never do anything like that. So that was was hard um, because I lived in Queensland for a bit and things weren't working up there. So I moved back down and I lived with my dad and that was the worst seven months of my life. I, you know, I wanted to run away from home. I, want, I just didn't want to be there. I wanted to go back up to my mum, but you know, just, it wasn't the right timing for anything. But she did make me very, very depressed. Yeah, she was nasty. If we weren't like her kids, we weren't perfect. And that's what it, it annoyed me a lot. And my dad, my dad did spend a lot of time with her kids instead of us and that did hurt a lot growing up because I didn't feel like I had a connection with my dad like I should have had because, you know, it felt like all I remember is he left when I was six and I don't remember seeing him until I was 10. But I lived with them when I was about 
13 or 14 and especially being a teenager you know trying to come to terms with my sexuality not telling people or um, and having a lot of other things built up inside me as well that was also very hard. When did you first self-identify as a lesbian? Within myself, I knew I liked girls since about sixth grade, so I would have been about 12 years old, is when I first started looking online, maybe at some some things that I probably shouldn't have looked at at a 12-year-old, but, you know, I was curious and everything, and I was more attracted to looking at the female body than I was looking at the male body. That was kind of like, I was like, oh, there's something wrong with me, this is weird, I shouldn't be doing this, because, you know, you grow up knowing male, female, that's all that's together. And then I'd, I never had anybody around me at that age, like same sex or anything like that. So that was a little bit hard. Um, but yeah, I would say that at the age of 12, I would have known in my, myself that I was, I liked girls. I kept it a secret. You know, there was times where there was girls at school that I was attracted to and everything like that, but I would never, never tell anybody or I kept that a secret. Like, you know, they'd walk past and I was like, oh my God, I'm so in love with you. Um, but, you know, they never knew that. No one ever knew what was going on because I put this front up that I was the straightest girl that you could get. Oh yeah, I, I never had my first, um, you know, like I was quite, you know, a late bloomer with things because everyone was having their first kisses at a young age and I didn't do anything until I was the age of 16 because I, I was like, this is not what I want, but I did it because I wanted to be normal, to fit into the society's normal criteria list. So yeah, growing up was, I was confused, just more confused within my own self and how my brain was like, you know, I'd be like, okay, you like this boy, but then I would always just retract back to like, oh, she's cute. But yeah, I just, I didn't know at that age if this was right or anything. You had relationships during those years? Yeah, I, I've had many and plenty of boyfriends between my first boyfriend at the age of 16 and then I had numerous boyfriends up until I met my current partner. Needless to say, they weren't the best relationships. I did go with a lot of very attractive, very controlling men. They, were, they weren't good for me at all. I got very mistreated in all of the relationships, you know, cheated on, abused mentally, physically, emotionally. I think I mainly stuck around because I was like, this is this is normal. I thought this was normal. But I never enjoyed the sexual side of things or the romantic side of things. I did also have a lot of online relationships. So where I didn't have to physically have any any contact with them, but knowing that I was in like dating a boy on the internet and everyone could see that. I felt like everything was normal, so. So going back to your school years then, yep. what was the environment like for gay people at school? So I, I did have, I had gay friends. I wouldn't say I had lesbian friends or anything that were men, gay men, but I, I don't know, because I always thought, you know, there was always that insult when you're at primary school or when you're in high school, it was like, you're a fat. And that was to insult somebody, but that shouldn't be to insult somebody. So I always found like, oh, you're gay, oh, you're a lesbian. Like that kind of stuff was like, that's what I was scared of. That's what I was scared was going to happen to me. That happened to my friends that were out. I didn't want that to happen to me. I didn't want people to know. And I was already different as it was. Like I've got stretches, I've got piercings. I had that through school and everything as well. And I already got put in a category of being an emo kid. 
I couldn't even walk down to the tuck shop or the canteen or whatever you call it without um, having my headphones in, without getting thrown abuse of saying to go slit my wrist or go kill myself or something like that. So I didn't want to add something else on top of that. Um, I watched what they went through and I didn't want that to happen to me. I stood up for them, of course I did. Because I went to a school in Queensland, a majority of the time they had eight, about 1,800 students. It was a very multicultural, diverse school and it was hard because it was hard to fit into a place like that because regardless of it, that you know, you'd walk to the canteen, you'd have your footy jocks, you'd have your cheerleaders, you'd have all of that, like, like you know, if you sat, like, you know, you walk past and they're like, oh, those guys are the freaks or those guys are that, so you'd always be put in a category no matter what. And I didn't want to be, like, you know, I was already in one category, I didn't want to be in another, so I kind of just kept myself as it was and just pretended, just kept pretending. Cause I just, watching my friends go through it was just hard enough. And I just like, I mentally, physically, emotionally, anything in me could not just go through it again. Cause I was already depressed and I was already self-harming. So I didn't want to make anything worse. I would self-harm because that was relieving something that I couldn't relieve in any other way without talking to people like I'm the kind of person that does bottle things up for a long time and won't express myself and I you know I did it for years and years you know I only came out four years ago four years ago that I was gay and that I you know and that's when I met my partner that's when I decided to go look I'm being honest with myself and I don't want to live like this anymore like a lot of emotions come out when I met her yeah that was probably the hardest thing like bottling things up and keeping things a secret when I could have just let them out but I was too scared to. So that caused a lot of my anxiety, depression, and just being paranoid about like, you know, are they talking about me because like, I look weird or do they know? Or like, you know, do people know? <laughs> I would say I, um, throughout the day, I was a straight woman at night. I was a lesbian as lesbian can be. <laughs> I was always talking to girls online. Um, you know, always going on like, Bebo, MySpace, you know, MSN, you know, doing all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I definitely spoke to a lot of lesbians online. I think that was some of the best friendships I developed online. I made a lot of friends. I was more of an online person than I was making friends in person um, because I could be who I really wanted to be online in a way. So I have accounts where I, I, I wouldn't say that were fake accounts. I was still photos of me, but I would go by a different name or I'd go by something else or go into the chat rooms and everything like that. And um, it was good. Like, I, you know, I could talk to them about the things that I was feeling and, and they would do the same thing because a lot of them were in the same situation as me that, you know, weren't comfortable to come out in actual real life and we could just talk to people on the internet. Um, and it was really good. I had confined in a lot of people there and they did help me through a lot of hard times. Yeah. So you met Maddie, your current partner, before you came out. Yes. Tell me about meeting Maddie. Um, well, Maddie was probably like the first proper girl I had a massive crush on, but she didn't even know who I was. Um, we went to Hellier together. Um, I was that the weird kid that would sit with their headphones in in the, um, in the lunchroom and just watch people and everything. And I saw her walk past and I was like, she's hot. And from then, kind of like obviously years have gone by, I've come and gone from back here to Queensland, back here and everything like that. And so in 2015, I moved back from Queensland after being up there for about six months. 
and I just was walking and burning. I was like, there's that girl I had a crush on, like that really good looking girl. And I was like, she looks even better now because she actually got a haircut. Um, so she looked a lot better. Um, so I just went on Facebook and I went through all the lesbians that I knew because I knew she was gay because she had a girlfriend in high um, at Helia. So I was like, I went through all the lesbians that I knew on Facebook and I was just like, where is she? What is her name? And I finally found her. So I added her on Facebook and I was like, hurry up and accept me. Um, weeks went by we kept each other on Facebook you know liking each other's things and I was just like nah, I might as well say hey and we just started talking and just started talking on Facebook you know um, I asked her to meet up for coffee met up with her and she was quite disappointed because I told her I don't drink coffee so there was no point of meeting up for coffee um, we talked for about two weeks after that and then um, two weeks later she was like oh hey you want to be my girlfriend and we've been together for four years now so I kind of think it was meant to be like me leaving coming back and seeing her again and everything just falling into line it just felt perfect I saw her and I was like ah oh, okay I'm gonna try and talk to her and pursue it because but when she first messaged me she's like I didn't know you were gay and I still said well no one knows I'm gay <laughs> Yes, so I'm glad that I met her the way that I did meet her, you know, stalking Facebook. It works. Um, and definitely um, knowing who she was previously, just so I, you know, I kind of got the kind of crowd she'd hang around with. She was, you know, very musical and stuff like that. And that kind of attracted me to her as well because I knew she played guitar and everything like that. So that was another bonus that I know that she was good with, oh, I was going to say good with her fingers. <laughs> when because we started talking and everything I was driving with my sister in the car and I was like Tanil you promise you're not going to judge me and she's like over what I said just promise you're not going to judge me I said I've given you shit your whole life for this because I used to always call my sister a lesbian because I was like you, covering for myself I was like you're such a lesbian um and I was like and she goes what and I was like I think I'm gay and she's like what and I was like you know, I don't think I'm gay, I'm not, I'm gay. So, and then she was just like, okay. And she's like, have you been talking to someone? I said, yeah, I've met this girl. Her name's Madison, or Maddie. Um, she works at McDonald's. So this is when she was working at McDonald's at the time. Um, and she was just like, oh, of course, I was never going to judge you. She was like, I had a feeling that you were gay anyway. And I was like, oh, you're probably just confused and stuff. But then when I actually came out to her, she was just like, you know, I always had a feeling that you might've been because the amount of times you called me a lesbian. I was like, shut up, I know. Um, I was covering for something. Um, so that was easy to come out to my sister and then I was like, oh crap, how am I gonna tell my mum? Like, what am I gonna go to my mum? Because I, I, so I just sat down with mum and probably shouldn't say exactly what my mum said, but this is honest truth. So I was just, I sat down, I was like, hey mum. And she's like, hey, and I was just like, talking to this girl. Mum just turns around and she goes, you're lesbian. I said, yeah. And she goes, you lick pussy. I said, mum, and she goes, no, do you? I was like, mum, just be serious for a moment. And then mum goes, well, what does she look like? So I showed her photos on Facebook and went through all of that as well. Um, and then mum goes, oh, she works at Macca's. Is she working tonight? And I said, yeah. And she goes, all right, we'll go over there. Went through the Macca's drive-thru and it was the most awkward thing. Mum goes out of the drive-thru and she goes, she's fucking hot. And I was like, okay, so mum, mum's kind of all cool with this. So that's cool. So mum thinks it's all good. and. Um, pretty much with everybody else, my little siblings and everything, they're fine with it. They love her to bits. Like, my little sister loves her so much as well. 
which if you're listening Molly I think have a crush on her so stop um, but no everyone gets along with us so well like and coming out was so easy like I just told my dad and dad's like cool I just told everyone they were just happy with it so and um like everyone's told me it's the best relationship I've ever been in like they haven't they've seen such a big change within me um and being happy and not being as depressed and just you know going through life and I'm so glad that I did finally come out and I you know after 20 21 years of not saying anything you know it was hard but I think I just had to wait till I found the right person to just say this is what I want to do in life and this is where I want to be so some people acted a bit different around me and stuff like that. There's been some times where there's been certain people where they're like, oh, I didn't realise you, like when I told them I had a girlfriend, they're like, oh, I didn't realise you're okay, but nothing against you, but I don't like that. But there's nothing against you, but I don't, I'm not for that. Or, And I'm just like, okay, there was some like people on Facebook. I did delete a few people off Facebook um, after the, the yes vote and everything. And they're carrying on like, I'm not voting for this shit. And I was just like, well, bye. Because, you know, I was already, I'm out by then. I'm, you know, I want to marry the person that I'm in love with. So, you know, there was a few people that I did cut out. I've had bad doctor's experiences. Um, you know, a doctor made me feel very uncomfortable. I went in there literally for, I'm pretty sure it was a sore throat or something like that. Saw that I was on some antidepressants and he's like, oh, so what's your libido like? And I was like, okay, what's this got to do with this? But I was like, oh, fine. And then he's just like, oh, are you sexually active? And I said, I've been with my partner for X amount of time. And then he went in and he's just like, oh, um, does he wear protection? I said, I'm in the same sex relationship. And then it got uncomfortable from there. So it got to the point where the doctor was just like, oh, so how long does it take you to orgasm? And I said, I don't know. And then he's like, oh, do you use toys? Oh, and, th and it started getting weird and weird like that. And I thought, oh, you're getting off on this or something like that made me feel really uncomfortable and because I was there by myself I just didn't know what to say and I was just like oh, no um no and then I left and I just well, I felt I called Maddie and I said what why would he ask me these questions and she goes he's disgusting and that was disgusting I haven't gone back to him since but I felt very uncomfortable and I shouldn't feel that way I don't really socialise as it is. Like I come to work, I go home, I go to my dogs and Maddie and that's it. Like I'm not really a social butterfly or anything like that. Um, I'm not really a social butterfly or anything like that. So I don't go out and just socialise with people. I'm just more of a hermit, you know. I have gay friends and lesbian friends and bi friends and everything like that, but nah, I just don't like spending time with people. <laughs> I just don't like leaving home. So having a, a sort of support network around you that are LGBT is not a priority, really? I wouldn't say in, in person, but definitely on the internet. That's like, I spend a lot of my time on that. So that's probably where I've, I've got more of my community kind of based on there without me actually socialising with people. I'm, one, I'm so awkward in person with people. I don't know how to keep conversations. I just I just sit there and I'm like, okay. So I just rather keep it as it is. Like I've got a lot of, I follow a lot of groups and a lot of Instagram pages and everything like that. So that's definitely something that helps me as well. If I have, you know, I'm there here, they're there for me, I'm there for them. I feel like there is, things that have changed but there's things that still like you know feels like we're going 10 steps forward five steps back like is, is it ever going to be 
accept her? Is there ever going to be something that is is right in society? So um, I can definitely see the change that has already gone through, especially with you know being able to marry the person that you love now. And but I feel like the prides and everything like that. And there's still those people that are there that have to ruin a good time. And it's just like, get over it. We're in 2019 now. Everything's changing. You know, if you want to be who you want to be, that's the hardest thing though, because you've got all these people that are still there to criticize you or to push you down. So I feel like society's moved forward in regards to some things, but not others. There was a sort of story I saw in the news today, uh, a teenager who woke up in the middle of the night with his father slitting his throat, saying, you're gay, you're gay. He managed to get his father away and jump off the balcony to safety. Oh, wow. Um, but he's got a scar over his neck where his father, his own father, tried to kill him. So imagine living like that. Like, you know, I, I just feel so lucky and blessed that I grew, like, where I am and how I've, like, my family accepts it and everything. It's just so sad because it's just, it's just scary. It honestly is scary because, you know, that's like like you said in the intro of your podcast, like you don't see many gay or lesbians holding hands down the street because we're scared to because of how people react. We are just we're just humans that just want to love as much as any straight person does. So it's yeah, it frustrates me, but I try not to get angry in public too often. <laughs> so in my future, I really you know just. Looking at the same thing, currently in the process of saving up so we can look at buying a house. So I would love to buy a house so we can live a bit out of town because I've got three dogs at the moment. I'm, I'm, I am hoping, listen Maddie, um, that one day that she would propose to me. So definitely know she's got me an engagement ring, so propose to me. Um, so, you know, I'd love to get married and have a fantastic wedding and everything. Yeah, so I just hope that, you know, the future just goes smoothly. Um, you know, we finally get a house together, have not, have land and just live happily together and be old and super, super cute together. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to say to the listeners that, you know, at any time if you feel like, you know, you don't have the support and you don't have anyone there for you, um, as Gary has said in his introduction or anything like that, he's got the Facebook, the Instagram or anything like that, the Twitter um, of the Queer Life Stories where you can reach out to somebody if you need to talk. Um, you know, myself or, you know, Gary or anybody would be happy to talk to anybody if they're feeling unsure within themselves or if they're going through a dark time of depression, anxiety or finding who they truly are. So there definitely is those options to come and reach out to us if you ever need to talk to anybody. Um, just to know that you're never alone and there's always going to be someone here for you. If you're struggling with your own mental health and you need support, contact Beyond Blue on 1300 224636 or Lifeline on 13-1114. Both services are available 24-7. If you'd like to tell your story, share your experiences, or would just like to get in touch, email me at queerlifestories at outlook.com. As Paige said, you can find us on social media as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for Queer Life Stories. You can support this podcast and get behind the scenes glimpses by subscribing to us at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Queer Life Stories. We'll all be back soon. Thank you for listening. 
take care of yourself and each other. <laughs>